Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Film Code. My name is Phoenix Cloudin, and joined once again by our season three code-breaking champion, the one and only Brandon. How are you, sir? Man, I am good, Phoenix. It is good to be back on the podcast. Last week, we talked Carrie uh, from 1976, and we officially wrapped up our horror month. Or horror, yeah, horror month last, uh, last week. So um, look out for that episode. Uh, let us know what you guys thought about that movie. And yeah, good. How are you doing, Phoenix? Um, I'm excellent now. <laughs> had, a, had a little bit of a late start, but for a good reason. We figured out a technical issue, so that feels fantastic. Um, yeah. Also, like like Brandon just said, please check out our Carrie episode. Fun, fun movie to talk about. Loved it. And really happy that we wrapped up our uh, horror month this season. Uh, really, really great stuff that we covered throughout Horror Month. Uh, that was awesome. So, looking forward to doing that again uh, uh, next year. This month, however, we are transitioning out of horror into family and Christmassy entertainment, I guess one would say. And we picked the perfect film to do such a thing. We are talking about Tim Burton's the Nightmare Before Christmas. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! Whoa! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This is there. What is this? Uh, iconic classic, uh... What would you call this? Uh, it's not a horror movie, but it's not a Christmas. It- yeah, it's it's uh, okay. I, the way I see it, I always look at it as a, I look at it as a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of it all, it is a nice transition from Halloween to Christmas. So this is the perfect film to review. Uh, I don't know if we, uh, yeah, it's a perfect film to review um, in between. Um, Halloween and Christmas because like like I just said it is the perfect transition into it yeah absolutely and uh, for me <laughs> this is a, a an interesting movie because I have tried to watch this movie three previous times <laughs> and every single time I don't know what, what the issue was but I just kept falling asleep on it like every time I decided to watch it, I was just exhausted and I just had to go to sleep. And I made it to about just after what's this? And then I was I was knocked out. Like, like so <laughs> so uh finally and it didn't help that yesterday was another day where I, my body was exhausted. I had just gotten off of work and I was like, Oh my god, I gotta watch the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> And I was already just exhausted. And I was like, I literally had to force myself to stay awake. But I did. I made it through. 
And I finally, finally can say that I've seen The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, took me forever. This movie was from 1993. So 30 years later, <laughs> I finally saw it, guys. So <laughs> there we go. Took you uh, forever. <laughs> but uh, love the interesting cast here. We got a Danny Elfman who does Jack Skellington's singing voice, which makes it all the more creepier. Uh, Chris Sarandon, who did his uh, regular talking voice, Catherine O'Hara, who who played Sally, William Hickey, who played Doctor Finkelstein, uh, you got Glenn Shaddix, who was the mayor, Paul Rubens in another surprising role, who played Rest Locke. in Peace, yes, Rest in Peace, Ken Page, who played Oogie Boogie, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there were uh, not a lot of big names on here, but there's some few few here. Tim Burton, See, who did the voice of Zero, which is great. Paul Rubens was not a surprise for me. Because he is in, like, every Tim Burton, Danny Elfman project. That makes sense. So, but yeah, no, um, cat, cast list is just stacked. Like, once you get to know their film, or each person's filmography, it's just a stacked cast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially Danny Elfman, man. That man is a legend. Yeah, Danny Elfman is uh, pretty good. <laughs> He's kind of, yeah, he, he, definitely a legend uh, in both com- composing and film entirely. Yeah, Danny, Danny Elfman's a, a master worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, it took me 30 years to f- fully watch this movie. How long have you been sitting with Nightmare Before Christmas? I'll be honest, like, I, I obviously saw it when I was younger, but I think I was too young to, like, remember the film. Mm-hmm. And so about three or four years ago, um, they put it back in the theaters for a little bit. So I'm like, you know what? I'm finally go. I'm going to go see it, like just the full thing. And yeah, watched it then. And then uh, ever since then, it's been a yearly, uh, an annual rewatch for me. So. Okay. Yeah, just sweet. rewatched it the other day. So I'm like, cool. Yeah, let's do Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, this, this was definitely the perfect choice. And. Um, yeah, I don't know why I just, I could never stay awake for it, but and I've always wanted to see it because I'd heard such good things about it. Uh, so obviously, uh, the story of the nightmare before Christmas is Jack Skellington, who is a pumpkin King and, uh, rules over the town of Halloween finally gets tired of, of scaring people stumbles into a forest where he finds all the other holidays and he falls into Christmas and falls into Christmas and falls in love with it, falls in love with the idea, tries to bring it back to the town of Halloween, but obviously they don't understand the concept. And one could say hilarity ensues Uh, (laughs) as Jack decides he's going to kidnap Santa Claus and take over for Christmas uh, this year, but obviously, with with Halloween intentions, doesn't go doesn't go as well as he as he uh, wants it to. So that was the idea. And again, it took me forever to watch this, but I was I was both pleasantly surprised and slightly disappointed. Uh, I guess is is how I'll put it. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
what 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 would you say about this film, Brandon? No, I just I, I think for me everything works in this film. Um just from the stop motion to the soundtrack, mainly the soundtrack, it's just mm. so good. Um and just me being the the Disney Parks fan that I am, just seeing how revolutionary this film became to Halloween time for Disney is great. Um and yeah, just it's such it's such a fun movie to watch because just there's not really any like super dark moments. Like once you know how the film goes, you're able to just sit down. So it's like a comfort movie for me, just around mm-hmm. Halloween time. It's just like cool. I can sit down. I can watch this Oogie Boogie, Jack Skellington, Sally. Just it's it's just it's just a fun movie. Um, and I mean. Obviously, they call this Tim Burton's Night Before Christmas, but he did not direct this, actually, because right. he was um, – I forgot what film he was busy working on, but he was he was off working on something else. And, um, yeah, I feel like uh, Henry Selick and uh, Danny Elfman had just their hands on so much more with this than Tim Burton did. Oh, yeah. I think Tim Burton wrote, wrote one of the original poems. So that's that's why his name is on it. But yeah, mm-hmm. Henry Selick uh, is the director of, of this movie. Um, yeah. You're, you're 100 percent right about the revolutionary aspect of it, because uh, I believe it was one of Disney's first stop motion uh, animated films. Uh, and in that regard, like the animation on here, top notch, like truly, truly top notch. Very impressive stuff. Um, I know Disney has had other. I think they've had other stop motion films. I'm not sure. Um, well, I, well, I mean, this this actually was not a Disney movie. Oh, okay. For a while, um, this was uh, this was um, actually released under the studio Touchstone Pictures. Uh, they were Disney was afraid it would hurt their brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what idiots they were. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that I, I gotta search this up one sec. Yeah, I know Disney bought Touchstone Pictures uh, a while ago, and so like all of their property is obviously now under the Disney banner. This was not Disney. Yeah. Until two thousand six. Two thousand six. Wow. Yeah. So they bought it a while ago. Um, yeah, but they um they they've been they were doing stuff with Nightmare Before Christmas long before then because uh, at Disneyland Park they uh, every year. Um, they changed, they modified their Haunted Mansion ride around to call it the um, Haunted Mansion Holiday, where Jack Sellington takes over the Haunted Mansion. Ah, I love it. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, so like, that's really cool. Um, I I think, so part of the reason, my, my experience with this movie is part of the reason that I kept falling asleep on it was one, like, every time I decided to watch it, I was just incredibly exhausted. But also, I didn't really vibe with the character of Jack. Like, I, I was like, I was like, okay, like, he seems very air, airheaded and pigheaded. And I was like, I'm sure, like, he gets an arc eventually. But, like, with how exhausted I was, I was like, I could never make it to that point. So I was just like, I was like, I don't, I don't like this character. And finally, when I watched it last night, I was like, okay, yes, he is. There is that arrogance. There is that pigheadedness. But the arc is satisfying enough where I was like, okay, I, I can get, I can vibe with this guy. And, and I totally get 
his story and how how it works in the frame of this of this particular film. I was shocked. Truly, one of the things that shocked me was the runtime. I was like, this movie's only an hour and like 19 minutes. It's like really short. And I was like, why is this so short? But then I remember like the other claymation movies uh, like uh, around Christmas and all. Those are all like, you know, like 75 minutes. Like they're super short movies. Well, it's not just like Christmas movies either. Claymation, just claymation in general, because it's it's such a long process. Yeah, it's <laughs> I guess like I don't know if you've ever watched iCarly, but there's an episode of iCarly where Spencer is working on it like a stop motion claymation, mm-hmm. and Carly's boyfriend at the time completely ruins it, and he has to like cut down that film to like ten seconds, oh, and he yeah. was so pissed off. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, just I, seeing the process of how um, stop motion and claymation works, just I, I do not have that patience to do that. There is no way, no way I'd ever do that. Yeah, I was wondering because I was like, I was like, seems like such a cool thing. And I was like, you know, Disney bought Touchstone in 2006. I was like, they should have more of these, these kind of uh, films. But I was like, it's probably taxing. Like, it's probably a lot of work and yeah yeah that that was that was definitely the idea i got from it because when when you do it when you can do it well it's amazing right mm-hmm. and it's just but it it's it's exhaustive it's one heck of a process yeah um, so like i i don't fault them at all for their runtime yeah yeah no like absolutely not. like the runtime is perfect because of everything that goes into it, yeah, yeah, you're not putting together a two and a half hour feature mm-hmm. that, that stop motion claymation like that's exhausting as all as all as it could possibly be. Um, yeah, yeah, but let's get to the thing that is. This is going to be the shocker of the century on the Film Code podcast. <laughs> Because y'all know how much I love musicals. Oh, you're going to say you don't like it. I was not taken by the music in, in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, there's some songs. What What's this is great. Oogie Boogie song is hilarious. Dude, I Ken Page it. kills Oogie Boogie's song. Killed it. It was so freaking good. You mean to tell me you don't like Kidnap the Santa Claus? Is that, yeah, that one's okay. That one's okay. Yeah. You mean to tell me that you don't like this is Halloween? Eh. <laughs> you make <Was> me sick. <laughs> Danny Elfman put his heart and soul into the soundtrack, man. Oh man, the score is great. I, I do think the score is great, but he yeah. wrote the songs too. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, eh, uh, uh, like they're okay. They're like I was. I mean, I wasn't expecting to be blown away by the by the songs, but oh, I expected them to be a little bit better. Like I don't know, this I they don't have a. Um, a, a ear catching quality that that I'm that I gravitate towards in terms of like their composition and and lyrics. I was just I was just not I was I wasn't as 
taken by them as I as I am with other musicals. Uh, there's there's you know there's good stuff. Like I said, what's this is really cool. Uh, Oogie Boogie song is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the only song that I'm not a huge fan of is uh, Catherine O'Hara's song, uh, a Sally song, yeah. and that's that's no disrespect to Catherine O'Hara. She does a great job. It's just there's not much to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything else I love in this song, especially Kidnapped Sandy Claus. <laughs> like, like Danny Elfman, Paul Rubens, and Catherine O'Hara, and that. Just, they're so freaking good. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish I was on board. I mean, it's a funny song. It definitely is. And I love, like, the ways in which they talk about torturing Santa Claus. <laughs> like, it is... It is hilarious and cute but like musically musically i wasn't i wasn't really a fan of it like this is like i feel like if i were 12 you know saying or younger like i would be over the moon with a lot of this (laughs) it would have that would have that sort of uh emotional pull with me but uh yeah seeing it finally officially as an adult i was just I was not taken so much by the songs, which which hurts my feelings, because I think because of what this movie is, the music is very important to it. So, like, if if the music isn't great, it kind of hurts the overall overall product of it in my eyes. But apparently, you know, I'm alone in this. (laughs) You might be. You 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 might be, which is normally the case. Which is normally the case. Yeah, but man, uh, I don't know if have you heard of Danny Elfman? Like not his non-film music. Have you heard of like Oingo Boingo and stuff? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. That's. I think that's the side of Danny Elfman that got me really like put on to him. Um because I mean, don't get me wrong. His soundtrack and like Spider Man and Batman are great, but I think easily what what hooked me on Danny Elfman was his Oingo Boingo soundtrack. Uh. Shout out to my friend James for uh, sending me that. <laughs> but man, like, I'd love to just like sit down and talk with Danny Elfman, just pick his brain about so much. Oh man! Like, In terms of like one of my like top three composers who like who. Like I definitely need to know their process and and why they did the choices that they did. Danny Elfman is right up there. Like yeah. like like he's right up there. I, I think you you have, uh, oh God, what's his name? John John Williams. Yeah. Uh, what for composing? Yeah. John Williams. Yes. Yeah. You got John Williams for me. Uh, Alan Silvestri is the top. Is another one. Hans uh, Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is definitely up there. I, I'd give it to Ludwig Gronson too. He's oh, been Ludwig. killing it lately. Ludwig's been been doing all right. So like, like, and Danny Elfman is is right up there in that bunch. So like, yeah, like in terms of composers, who's like brain you just want to pick and be like, dude, you got to break this down for me, and and why you chose this, and 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 the ones you thought that weren't going to be iconic and are so iconic, like like is amazing. So. Yeah, I would love love a sit down chat with Danny Elfman. Uh, definitely one of one of one of the top composers of all time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just I'm, I'm thinking about like I'm looking through uh, the soundtrack here. Just um, what's this? Is just I, I. It's easily the most recognizable, other than this is Halloween, right? Because um, I those are just like looking at it here. Um, this is Halloween has 131 million plays. Wow! On Spotify, <laughs> what's this has 62 million. Really? And all the yeah and. Oh, there's a Marilyn there's a Marilyn Manson version of This Is Halloween with seventy million <laughs> downloads. That's got to be awesome. Mm. But yeah, everything else is just like twelve or less. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I kidnapped the Santa Claus is up there too, <laughs> and that's just Spotify. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, no, I, I, yeah. The, just the, this whole soundtrack for me is just great. Um, Let's kind of move into the story a little bit because I feel like we've just been talking nothing but soundtrack. <laughs> You're right. So, like we said, the story centers around Jack Skellington. He's not the mayor of Halloween Town, but he's like a very important figure. He's the Pumpkin King. Yeah, he's the Pumpkin King. He's the Pumpkin King. So, like, um, they plan their Halloween, uh, looks like all year. Like in Halloween, it's not called Halloween Town. It's called Halloween. That's the name of their town. Um, so they they plan for Halloween every year. It's called Halloween Town. Is it called Halloween Town? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. That's funny. I just thought it was. I was just thinking of the Disney movie. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so they plan Halloween year long. He's been doing it for I, I guess decades, and finally, just one day, he's exhausted by it. And he's looking for something new. And he stumbles, like I said, he stumbles into Christmas Town and is enamored with it, wants to bring it back to, to Halloween. And when he goes back and he tells everybody, like, oh, I found Christmas Town and this is all the cool things that they have and they do. And like that that is a funny moment as like he's explaining presents and all the townspeople are like <laughs> like like talking about all the tortures things that they can do with gifts mm-hmm. and time in a bag, turn off all the lights. Right, right. It's like it's like, dude, like there's no hope here. He's like and then he eventually gives up and he turns uh Santa Claus into like this this horrifying figure named Sandy Claus. Uh you know. And he he's kind of upset because he's like, I want them to feel what I felt as you know, someone who who discovered this this new thing, and eventually he he decides the best way to do that is to take over Christmas and run Christmas the way that they would. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and he he does a pretty good job at it, just in his own little way. <laughs> in his own little way. Yeah, um, he just yeah, it's so funny. Just like they call the cops and all that. <laughs> and they they literally shoot down Jack's sleigh with air defense. Yeah, and I think that's just so funny. He's I, like, they're I, shooting fireworks at me. They're so happy. <laughs> He's like, wait a second, that was pretty close. <laughs> oh man, yeah. His in his delivery of the presents. That was some of the funniest stuff ever because it's like, like you know, there's a snake. <laughs> it's 
somebody drops off a snake. He drops off like two uh like sharp teeth dolls and stuff, like every torturous, you know, horror aspect that they can find. And it was just so funny. Like you said, the police station, he got like 19 phones out. He's like, yes, we're working on it. Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like in terms of like humor, I thought this was excellent. Like in terms of humor, there were some really funny moments in this movie. Uh, I like, I liked, lo- loved everything they did once, once Jack gets to uh, Christmas, Christmas town. Love all of that. Um, I love the relationship between Sally and Dr. Finkelstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she just keeps poisoning. <laughs> oh man, it was great. So like there's humor throughout the film that, that really works. That truly works. Uh, like I said, the music and I mean the, the, the humor and the animation, I see why I like, I see why people are in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like I, I, I want to get to the scene of uh, I guess you can call it Oogie Boogie song because it is it's just a straight up scene. I love that scene so much. Yes, because Ken Page freaking kills it, man. Yeah, I mean not just that, but like the song is so good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the song is so good. The what he's doing to to Santa Claus uh, is like again like. Comedy gold, like yeah, it's comedy gold. He's so funny as this character because he's he's just torturing people and like he just has such a bad attitude. He's is is a great character. Like it's definitely a great character. Uh, yeah, I just feel like the and this is the other thing that that kind of hurts the film overall for me. Outside of Really, Jack and maybe Sally. There's not a lot of, and I mean, this is because it's only an hour and 19 minutes, maybe. But there's not a lot of development for anybody else, like in terms of characters. It's nobody else's story. It, it, yeah, it's not really anybody else's story, but like, again, because of the short run time, like, as good as Oogie Boogie's song is, and as good as that character is, uh, he kind of, well, he kind of gets a little development because he gets. Some talk about in the other song, Kidnap uh, Santa Claus. So he's okay. The kids don't really get much. I mean, they're there, but they don't get much. The mayor doesn't get much. Many of the other characters of Halloween Town don't get much. Santa Claus doesn't get much. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it it's hard to, to really root for anybody because mm-hmm. it's just not enough time for for characters and relationships to really develop. I think the only relationship that's developed is Sandy and Dr. Finkelstein. And that's because we get so much of them, but uh, yeah, everybody else is kind of kind of cookie cutter. Uh, Even Jack's relationship with Sally doesn't really make sense. I mean, she just seems to be enamored with them, which, uh, which I guess is fine for him. I don't know. I was, I just wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't as invested in the characters in this as I probably should have been. You know, I I, uh, I somewhat agree with that. Like, of course, I'm on the positive side of things here, um, but I can somewhat agree where where you're coming from. Uh, they don't really do much with Jack and Sally's story together, right? 
But I mean, there's, I feel like there's a lot that can be explained prior. Like, cause that, I mean, they've talked about doing a, uh, a Nightmare Before Christmas prequel here, um, oh, within the past couple weeks. So I would love to see that. Like 100%. Yeah, the beautiful thing about this is it's so small, and it's but it's so iconic mm-hmm. that you could do a number of things with it. Like, yeah, you could do a prequel if you really wanted to. I, there's, I would love a live action. I would love a live action of this. I would not. I think it would be amazing. I mean, depending on who you cast, it, it could be amazing. And if you could get some updated songs maybe extend the, the narrative a bit. I think you could, you could find, I think there's potential there for that. You know, I, um, I don't have this on video cause it was a very quick spur of the moment thing. Um, back in March or fe- end of February, I, um, I got to sit down and talk to Chris Sarandon. Oh, nice. Um, he was at this convention I was at and it was, just, I asked him one question straight up. I was like, this is a friend. This is a question for my friend, Trevor. If they were to bring Nightmare Before Christmas to live action, who would you want to play him or would you want to play him? He's like, I think I, he, he he said straight up, he was like, if they were to bring this to live action, he was like, which I hope they don't because mm-hmm. this is better told in, in stop motion animation. He'd be the one to want to play him really? only because he's kind of protective over the character. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I don't think he'd get that opportunity. I think they would find a role for him just out of respect. Absolutely. But I think they would have to cast. You'd have to cast a name for that mm-hmm. in live action for Jack Skellington, uh, which would, which could be cool. I don't know. I don't know. Like there's a number of ways in which you could do that wrong. <laughs> like, like make no mistake. There's a number of ways in which you could do that wrong. Um, but I don't know. I would love, love to see it. I would mm-hmm. love, to see, I would love to see a prequel as well, like a, a stop motion uh, animation prequel. I want a prequel so bad. A prequel, like, I feel, a sequel, I, great. Like, I, I don't know about a sequel because I feel like they wrap up everything they need to in the se- in the in the main film. Going yeah. back and explaining how Jack becomes Pumpkin King and all that that would work for me. That would be cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh. Any other characters that stand out to you that made an impression on you? Oogie Boogie. Uh, yeah, I was going to say besides Oogie Boogie. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, Sa- Sandy Claus was fun. Um, nice. Seeing him being like uh, this jolly old guy and him being like, release me or you'll face the consequences of your actions. <laughs> I'm all pissed off. That's just so funny to see. But um, seeing the mayor... Yeah, dude, he's like, I'm the mayor. I'm only the mayor. How am I supposed to make competent decisions by myself? <laughs> this is one of the greatest lines ever. Like, yeah, because it's like, yeah, you're the mayor, bro. <laughs> but I love it. I, I love I love that small jab at uh, politicians. Very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, yeah, the mayor was the one that definitely stood out to me. Uh, I love how hysterical he got. I remember when I when I saw it again last night, and I knew that he had the two faces, and I couldn't remember. Is like is like the other face like evil and mean or something? And it's like no, the other face is actually worried and scared. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was like, that's an interesting take on on that concept. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I dug the mayor. The mayor was probably one of my one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just I love just seeing how mainstream this movie has stayed for like because I wore the thirtieth anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe would just a huge um that it's like it's still just a huge cult classic and it's actually still playing in theaters That's right awesome. now. <laughs> yeah, it's been in there for a few weeks and um yeah, it's just it's such a fun film to watch. Um and it's just great seeing how like like I said as a Disney Parks fan, it's great seeing how much it's revolutionized their side of things. Yeah. Cuz um like they have Jack and Sally meet and greets there. They have the Hollow Mansion holiday. They have like scented, oh, not scented, the themed foods and drinks to Nightmare Before Christmas. And of course, you got the merch, but um, it's just they have so much in respect of it. And it's great. And and I think about all the things that this movie has inspired. Like I mean, other movies like Coraline mm-hmm. and the Box Trolls and you yeah. Know, all those movies like that, like we get those because because of Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like talk about iconic. Like it's it's branched off and created other uh, stories as well. So I think that's yeah. that's really impressive. Yeah, and, and like Danny Elfman plays annually at the holiday ball. Uh, the holiday. J- Danny Elfman plays annually at the Hollywood Bowl, and he could choose any time of the year. But what time does he choose? He chooses the weekend before Halloween. Yep. <laughs> smart decision, very smart decision, because he's able to do his Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. He's able to bring out the voice actors nice. from the film and sing. He always he always sings. He brings Catherine O'Hara. He used to bring Paul Rubens, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, they just they they just they have fun just singing. Kidnap Santa Claus. He brings Ken Page out. <laughs> he sings. He sings his his Oogie Boogie song. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, just overall, it's just, it's just it's such a fun film to watch. It's yeah. just if you start making this an annual rewatch, I, like every Halloween, I think it might go. It up might for grow you. on me. It might and grow it, on you. And it definitely can. Like I said, the 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 animation and the humor in this is really really great, and I love that it's a perfect kind of transition film between Christmas. I mean, between Halloween and Christmas. Um, yeah, like the, the songs, I could probably get used to the songs. They're just, yeah, some are, some are better than others. That's true. Um, I just wish there were more of them, right? Like usually when you got, you got a movie that's got seven, eight songs in it and only three of them are really strong. Like the only way I mean, that can be said with any musical though. Yeah. But the only way to improve that is like. You got to have more. Right. Right. So it's like if there was like five or six more songs, I'd be like, yo, this is, you know, really strong ones. I'd be like, yo, this is a perfect musical, even if I don't like every song. It's just it's it's tough to fit all that into a 70 minute movie into a 70 minute movie. Yeah, obviously. So like uh, like I said, that's why I would love a live action full hour and a half or maybe like two hour movie with some fresh new songs. Come on, Danny, you can do it. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would dig, I would dig the hell out of that. Or even a prequel, still animation. Just, just give me more music that I think could be stronger than, than most of, of what I hear here. But other than that, I was mostly satisfied with this movie 
finally after 30 years to finally cross it off my list. I'm super excited about that. And yeah, I do think I'll revisit this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think I'll revisit it, even though I wasn't terribly moved by it. It's such a staple and an icon of its time and the genre that, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably glance this probably every year now. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. So final rating, Brandon, what do you have for Nightmare Before Christmas? For me, it's a solid four stars. Um, it's just, I think for me, like I've joined that cult classic band of people who just watch it every year. Um mm. It's just a fun watch because it doesn't take much time. You're able to sit down. You're able to just throw it on in the background and work on something if you wanted to. It's just – and the soundtrack is just so good. So easily a solid four stars for me. All right. I'm just under you. I was going to be a three, but we talked it through, and I'm going to kick it up a little bit. Going with a three and a half. Uh, I I dug this. Like – it's, I don't want anyone to misunderstand. I'm, I'm not trashing it. It's not trash by any means. I would never come on here and be like, yeah, no, that was absolute garbage. But no, uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely great. It has its it has its highs. It definitely has some lows, but I overall enjoyed it. Would watch it again. Yeah, I'll probably just listen to those three songs that I love. But yeah, I'll totally watch it again. So that's three and a half for me, four stars from Brandon. What did you think of The Nightmare Before Christmas? Have you seen it many times like like Brandon has? Did you just catch it like I did on its 30th anniversary? Uh, let us know what you guys think at Film Co. Pod on Twitter and Instagram. All right. We're going to move on to what's good. Brandon. What's good? What's good? What's good? What have you seen? What would you recommend? What has been good for you, sir? Yeah, I um, I actually just watched uh, Sinister from 2012 for the first time, mm. and that was actually really good. That's like, a, I was oh, I was thinking of something else. Never mind. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Um, Sinister came out in 2012, um, directed by Scott Derrickson, which I think this might actually be his best film. Like, oh my god. That was actually really, really, really good. Um, uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, Juliet Rylance, Vincent D'Onofrio. Just, it's it was such a good film. I don't know if you've seen it before, but um, it just it it's one of those films where you can actually say it's like really frightening, like really terrifying. Because like there's just some scenes where like you're like. Hold on a second. Did I just see that correctly? <laughs> and yeah, just I, I think I ended up giving that four stars. Um, you know, it's funny. Just in in my head, I'm always thinking all solutions will be would be solved. All problems would be solved if you just turned on a light switch. <laughs> Every horror film, right. You know, you know the the light switches are always broken. There, or the or the 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 light bulb keeps fading out. Whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. like you can never get any light. <laughs> uh, so for me, um, speaking of Disney, actually, 
uh, I was going through my, my music playlist and I was like, oh, I had a Disney playlist and I lost it. So I went back and restructured it and put it back together. And in mm-hmm. doing so, it reminded me of a movie that is so good, like ridiculously good, has no business being as good as it is. And in terms, and not just in terms of the movie, but also in speaking of music, in terms of the soundtrack, and that is Disney's Tarzan. Uh, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> Phil Collins goes off. He goes, stupid hard. <laughs> Son of man. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like ridiculous how good that soundtrack is, how good the movie is. I was like, I love this. I like so, so love this movie. So that's definitely one that's good for me. Tarzan, if you haven't seen it, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Like it's one of my and, favorites. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites, and I think on Disney Plus they have like the behind the scenes features that was on the DVD. Uh, you got to see how they animated this movie. It's so so cool what they did with Tarzan and how they created that character to move in animation. Oh, I freaking loved it. I love mm-hmm. it so much. It's really one of like the sleepers of that era for Disney, but a banger of a film like yes yeah have you um have you seen the theory that tarzan's parents his real parents are um anna and elsa's parents because they both died in shipwreck Uh. (laughs) have you seen that theory i've not seen that theory but that's awful (laughs) and like people were like people went deep diving on it too just like they were like he looks very familiar to the guy in the movie. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that. That would be great. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's Tarzan for me. Sinister for Brandon. That is a very weird <laughs> pairing, but I hope you do it. That would be a great <laughs> double feature for you. Uh <laughs> that's what's good from us here at Phil Code. All right, guys, we are going to get out of here. Uh, Brandon, let everybody know where they can find you, sir. Yeah, you guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C ears over on X and Letterboxd's Phantasmic Ears. Go check out what I'm watching. And yeah, thank you guys again for listening. And you guys can find me on Twitter at I'm H-O Reviews 1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin. And as always, guys, please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at FilmGoPod. And we will see you guys next week. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>